for those listening, NCN is now officially my favorite schnapps of all time. But I'm not quite sure if I want to know more about your eating habits during your time in America, to be honest. I got a little Easter present from my mom. AFI. And it was a Spätzlehobel, that's what you call it. Backstage stories. So, Mo, you're going to come back to Munich next week. What's the first thing you're going to do? Um, probably watching episode three and four of the Chicago Bulls slash Jordan documentary. <laughs> okay, is it a is it a docu-series or is it a film? It is a series um, and there will be... Yes. There will be released, I think, 10 episodes. 10 episodes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I saw um, there's this great musician on Instagram... I mean, he's a great musician, and I saw on Instagram that he's uh, he's not just an Instagram musician. But um, do you do you know this guy Joey Dosick? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, you know the band Wolfpack, of course. So Joey Dosick plays saxophone in that band, and he ah. has his own he has his own um, great project. His, he he sing he has this beautiful natural classic style of singing voice and he um plays piano and he plays the roads he's really really talented and um he uh is a big basketball fan and he posted a picture of him as a kid uh sitting in a bathtub reading like a like a espn magazine with uh, <laughs> michael jordan on the front and he's like i was waiting for this documentary my whole life um and then that's when i realized that they had just released it dude i've been i was such a an enormous Michael Jordan fan, like since forever. Yeah, but he used to be a really big asshole towards his teammates, etc., etc. But he really was, and that's also what he said really, was before he? it was released. Because um, he was asked some by some reporters, I guess of ESPN, because they're broadcasting it, um, what people might think of him after they watched the the documentary. Um, and he was like, yeah, they're probably going to think I'm an asshole. Really? Oh, that's crazy. Cause I, I think he was always sort of portrayed as a, like the humble hero. Yeah. But, but he, he was a guy who went all in for success. And if you, as a teammate of him or any kind of person that has to work in his surrounding and you didn't do your job well, <laughs> he could be quite rude. <laughs> Okay, so you see that in the in the docu series, how he responds to his teammates when they don't play the way he wants them to. Yeah, I've n I've not seen those scenes yet, but um, and that's something where I don't understand the hype about the whole documentary because those are things um, we already know because there have been journalists etc. who have written it down. There probably are also podcast episode about it. Whatever it just has there was never um, this footage was never shown before of this uh, 69, uh, 96, 97 season. That was like the dream year, right? The last like, dance. Like the, huh? The last dance. The last year of Phil Jackson as head coach. Dude. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. I don't want to bother anyone with um, our, our sports talk, by the way, but I just um, wanted to mention that I probably, probably will do this because it would be the same thing here because I will go back to Munich 
but I don't think there's that many things to do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it doesn't really make sense to ask you when you're just going to come back and go back to your apartment. <laughs> just do the same thing you're doing, but in a different box. Same as every day. <laughs> like probably the same shit I'm doing at my parents' house, but just in a different box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's weird. Um, but uh, yeah, so here we are another week, another week down and it feels like one day has passed. It's really crazy how fast time is passing right now. Super crazy. Man. Um, in Munich, they, uh, they, they, they say you can, and now it seems like everybody's just outside, but, um, I had two different experiences, um, just to touch on Corona for a minute. Um, I had an experience, uh, last weekend where I felt like everybody was just outside and everyone was at the park and everyone was running and everyone was bicycling and having like a normal, um, almost like a normal summertime out, like everyone wearing shorts mm -hmm. and like exercising shirtless and whatever. And I thought, this is absolutely crazy. This is how it's going to, you know, get worse. And, you know, no one's being respectful, but at the same time, I'm always more cautious and maybe they're doing everything by the rules. It is Germany, by the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do tend to forget that, but, um, the second experience was, uh, today I went to get groceries before lunch and I left wearing my mask for the first time. Like I, I wear it on the public transportation, but this was my first time wearing my mask, like all the way around. And then going into the supermarket, wearing the mask and seeing how like at least every seven out of 10 people was also wearing a mask and they were limiting how many people could go into the small, you know, vegetable markets, how many people could go into the, um, they call it like a drogerie market here, but it's, it's more mm -hmm. like a, it's like this shop that only offers specifically like toiletries and like home needs. And they would limit people to get into, into that store too. And it's really, today was uh, kind of this feeling of like, okay, everyone's really aware that this is serious and everyone's, you know, got a bit more patience, it seemed like. Yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you, um, because it will affect me next week, when you're on, on public transportation, like when you take the subway, do you need any sort of documents? Like like um, um, like you told me before, you, you need to... Uh, the kind of documents you need when you travel from one city to another. Or right. Um, well, in my case, because I, I also work at this um, Grundschule, at this elementary school, they've, the government basically said that, you know, if you're living in Munich and you need to take public transportation to get to your job, then you need to have this, um, I forgot what the word is in German, but like, Aufgangssperre, it's like this lockdown permission. And we were given one from the school. So I would say, um, you know, I don't have to have papers on me necessarily, but I have it in an email in case I'm stopped on the bus asking, you know, where am I traveling to? Am I just having a day out or am I going somewhere? So I, I do always have this email ready so, so the police could read it if they were to stop me, but no one stopped me yet. But um, do you have yeah. something like this from the radio station? Absolutely not, to be honest. No, you don't. Okay. But no. I guess, but you, you can do that I, job. You can do these, these podcasts and your show from, from home, it seems like. So 
they wouldn't they don't need yep. you to come in right or probably it's like that there it could be that i have to be um in office in the office for um for several jobs within the next few weeks and maybe i might get those kind of documents then i'm not sure yeah possibly so i mean if they need you to to come in then yeah at least that's how it is here in munich that they or i guess maybe in most of germany but they they'll give you a form saying uh, through email just like hey you're ne you're necessary to come in and you're coming just to your job and from your job back home yeah. so um but i was just thinking like over the um, over the last few weeks like you know this is our sixth week of quarantine i just realized that before we started rolling and you know when you really when you have all this extra time when you're not dedicating it to work or creativity or memories or whatever you want to do. Jerking huh? off. Jerking yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. When you're not spanking it and cranking it. Um, you know, you think about, um, you think about um, kind of like odd things or things you, that you wouldn't normally feel like you have the time to dedicate your mind to. And I just thought about the other day how food, I know this sounds a bit random, but food is such a, a cultural experience for people and how it's such a big, important part of people's lives. And, you know, despite being like fuel for energy for humans, it's kind of like <laughs> a big deal to like a lot of families. Like, you know, when I, when I look at, um, you know, my wife's family and how they, how they treat meals, how they treat sit downs, how they treat you know, how they treat the food that they're making and how they make it and what they choose to make based on where they're from and how my family did. And, you know, I think that could be a cool, a cool topic to start with today. Like, um, you know, does your family cook, uh, you know, most, most meals from home? And if so, you know, what's traditional, what's like the thing that they do the most? That was um, pretty professional um, questioning. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I've been practicing in the mirror for shows because I have nothing else to do. But before I answer those questions, <laughs> I have to quickly take off the headphones and um, get out of my sweater because it's uh, pretty warm here. Wait a little uh, second. Of course, absolutely. Yeah, it's actually really nice in Germany today. I think in, in Munich we saw that it's uh, 21 or... Ooh, here we go. He's again. back, baby. Yeah, I think it's like, I think in, in Fahrenheit, it's like high 70s or something, which is really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. But you were saying about, about food. You're with your weird... Um, yeah, about food. Your question was whether my family... Yeah, do, they, do they cook most is, meals, you know, like from scratch? And it, Does your mom have like a tradition, uh, a, a tra traditional meal that she does like on certain holidays or something? Um, yes, uh, yes to, to, to both questions. So this is also <laughs> one, one argument while I'm, or one point why I'm s still here with my family in this little mountain village since seven weeks, because every day Tony and me get amazing food. <laughs> <laughs> so like one day my mom is, 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 is baking pizza on her own. Next day there's... I don't know, something more Bavarian traditional. Yesterday, she made butter chicken. Oh, she Like the Indian style. Yeah. Oh, so my man. mom um, always had a had a, a passion about, about cooking, as far as I remember. Um, 
sometimes when I was in school, there were there were times, or there are times, I guess, still also with my little siblings, um, where they don't find that much time to eat together because everyone has a, has a, a different schedule within their days. Right. Um, but since the lockdown, it's like okay, um, we're having breakfast together um, at noon. Everyone is getting something from, from the fridge or arranging something on his own. Uh, but every evening around six, um, there's something my mom cooked, which is amazing. And yeah, she likes to 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 try out many different styles of cooking. So like. Italian pasta, like Asian stuff, like I told you about the buttered chicken, yeah. um, even traditional Bavarian stuff. Well, like for example, because a lot of people don't know what traditional Bavarian food is, what are some of the dishes that your mom cooks that you really like? Um, there are some, there are some, some kinds of soup. I don't know if they're a thing. Um, Do you mean like Kledle Suppe? Yeah, but. but uh, but the uh, the main thing is the soup itself because it's it's very strong and there is meat and many vegetables, onion, garlic, um, mm. different spices have been cooked within this pot for like I don't know six hours and after that you fi filtrate it and then you get this clear soup and it tastes like what? Oh yeah, yeah. You like you make it like a homemade broth yeah. for for yeah. the soup, right? Imagine imagine tea water on acid. Tea water on acid. <laughs> that, that's, that's, a kind good, of, that's a good example. Um, <laughs> no, but those kind of soups uh, during the winter, like, like different different meat soups, but also um, veggie uh, stuff. And yeah. one thing that is super traditional for the for the region here, you know it, Cashbatzen. I think you could most likely compare it to mac and cheese. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's. I think it's worth it to spend just a second on this dish because this is something that we always cook for any friends or family who, who visit Germany for the first time or even on repeat visits. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, I mean, a few of my friends who, who have been here before who are listening know definitely what I'm talking about. But for those who, who have no idea what this is, it's uh, what is like, it's like made of dough, right? Yeah. The little pieces. Yeah. So it's, it's like cheese dough. It's like these little pieces of dough made from scratch that you, um, with the special tool over boiling water, you slice them. Wait into a second. Mm -hmm. Guess what? I got a little Easter present from my mom and it was a Spätzlehobel. That's what you call it. This little tool. You got one. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it's, and I was so happy. Like I, I felt pretty grown up <laughs> in this moment because I was so happy about Getting a Spätzlehobel. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a it's a super adult gift, but honestly, for a, for a meal like that, you you really need it, and it's yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a nice treat to get that. Um, you'll have to cook it. You have to cook it for me. Um, I'll do it. But it's it's extremely traditional, and it's really heavy. It's a very heavy on the stomach kind of meal, but it's this, this dough that, you know, you slice into this water, and it gets this certain chewy like noodle style texture. And then, you know, you fill it with, I mean, you, you're shredding like, I mean, I don't know, like a kilo or something of cheese, like like mountain cheese, like bag case. What else do you put in there normally? Um, so as I, as far as I know it, and as I make cash button, um, 
you take kind of an 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 old an older mountain cheese backhäse, which has rested for a certain amount of time. Yeah, which nice has, and stanky. Yeah, stanky and pretty, um, pretty tasteful, and a little. Um, a little piece of a of a younger one which hasn't rested that long, and a third kind of cheese you could use different ones, which are I don't know how to describe it. Maybe um, you use Weisslacker most of the time. That's the name, but it's something in the direction of maybe like French cheese you could imagine some some cheese that isn't that hard <laughs> regarding its its structure. That you need to get those, those cheese, those cheese noodles you see when you grab a spoon out of the, out of the pot. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And how do you get like so? A, another major component of it is onions. Yeah. Right. So how yeah. do you do? Like, do you you caramelize the onions? That's you, one one of the biggest mistakes people make, or. You even see it often in restaurants, mm-hmm. which don't know the the original recipe because they use those kind of fried onions, like those right. uh, those hard pieces, like the crispy brown onion. Yeah, types. exactly. Yeah. Um, like the one you put on hot dogs. Yes, yeah, that's a good um, reference. Yeah, but originally, you you slice up onions to to little pieces, you quarter them somehow, and um, then caramelize them. Yeah, exactly, with a lot of butter. In a pan. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then you'll get the onions as a topping on it. Yeah, I, I really, I really love this dish, and I fell in love with it since the first time I ever had it. Um, and it, you know, you, you, at least from the experiences I've had with it, it's best that you, because I, I mean, at least here there's a there's a big. Uh, a lot of attention spent to table manners, like waiting for everyone to have their own dish before you start and everything and cheersing together. But with this dish in particular, it's best if you start eating it the immediate second that your plate is full because it's best when it's really, really, really fresh. Is that the same in your family? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, you have this pot and it has the onions and the cheese and the the dough and it's really slimy and steamy and sticky. And then they just pour it right in your bowl and they're really telling you like, hey, start now, start now, start now. And you're just eating it and you can get through the first bowl pretty quickly, especially if you're very hungry. And then you get to that second bowl and man, it just starts to punch your stomach. It's like eating cement. Yeah, <laughs> that, and then that is, describes it pretty well. It's like eating cement. And then uh, let me ask if it's like this in in, in your house, but um, at least with uh, the family that I'm used to eating this with, traditionally, when you got that full belly, you chase it down with a shot of NCN. That's the way to go. <laughs> um, just to just to describe, you made great yeah. progress, my Padawan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, for those listening, NCN is now officially my favorite schnapps of all yeah, time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is for sure. <laughs> I mean, you know that. <laughs> I love. Yeah, NCN. but I was never quite sure if you if you if you really mean it or if it's ironically and you basically hate it because it tastes like dirt. <laughs> Honestly, I think the first year that I was here, I liked it ironically because it was such a. Like exactly. whenever I whenever I had it here, people from the city would see me with it, and they'd go like, "You're drinking NCN? What the fuck do you do? <laughs> like? Why do you drink this?" 
uh, and all the all the country people would like have a lot of respect. They'd be like, "Oh hell yeah, you got NCN. Let's let's do it." Um, but then I realized after you know a couple of years of of drinking it pretty regularly at at a party or with heavy meals or something that I <clears throat> I developed a taste for it. I really like it. Um, you know, especially certain, certain brands of this schnapps you get and you really taste like the aftertaste and stuff, especially from this, this town Zontofen, they, they make the best one and it's so flowery and, and floral and open and stuff. But, um, if you, if you're having it, especially if you don't have a, like a German palate, the first time that you taste this schnapps, it, I mean, it tastes like shit. The first, <laughs> the first one, the first one's very bad normally. Yeah. Um, but usually for most people, the second one, if you like it, then you're going to love it because um, the Encien is, is a flower that grows in the mountains here in the south part of Germany. And this this Encien, this this root, um, this schnapps is made from the root of this flower. And um, if you get the right people making it locally and they really know how to bring out the best part of the flavor, it's a really strong, very addictive schnapps with a really powerful aroma and um, yeah, you can get absolutely a hammered on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's definitely what you need after a good dinner based on Kaspatzen. That's completely true. That's completely true. What was like when you were a kid? I mean, you know, you had these. Um, I mean, I guess German, like from the outside perspective, German food is traditionally like you know, there's Schnitzel. And uh, pommes, fries, and then you have uh, the first, the first like real German German thing I think I ever had was um, besides uh, Käsespätzle was, um, I think Schweinhaxe. Schweinhaxe. Pig, pig, pig. Is it pig knuckle or pig shoulder? Um, it's the shoulder. The shoulder, pig shoulder. No, no, it's the what? Not the shoulder, but the. Um, it's like the. I think that's like knuckle, right? It's like. A different part of the arm, right? Or no, the legs, like the, the legs, like the thigh, the thigh. That's it. Yeah, it's really meaty, and you have like this good sauce, and it's super heavy, and it's just this really man. Fuck, I've had some very good Schweinhaxe. Schweinhaxe. <laughs> um, but yeah, like but when you were a kid, ones. you know, yeah, yeah. When you were a kid, like what was the the regular? You know, when your mom, like you'd come home from you'd come home from school. And, you know, do whatever, I don't know, run around in Lederhosen or something. And then at dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you guys do, Dave? <laughs> Just kidding. But around around dinner time, you know, what was like, um, you know, did your mom make like, because my mom would make um, like at least one or two of the same things every week. She would like, it's, it's almost like when you go to a, a school lunch, you know, you know, like Mondays are going to be some sort of pasta. <laughs> yeah. Tuesdays is going to be some sort of like Asian dish. You know, at my house, it was similar to that. Like she would have some kind of similar thing on it on a certain day. Cause it was like easier for her to get her grocery list in order. And she would do it. She would do it that way. At your house, did you have like, you know, on Fridays, you, you're probably going to get something like this. Or how was it? Um, it was not. It was not. It was not. Bleh, it was not defined by by the weekdays, but there was kind of a repertoire <laughs> of meals for different situations. Because um, when I was young, um, we haven't. We as a family haven't quite developed a 
uh, a rhythm on whether we eat a warm meal at noon or for dinner, so for lunch uh -huh. or for dinner. Um, now it's for dinner because it, it works best with all the, the schedules my parents and the kids have and whatever. Um, yeah. But back then we were mostly eating warm meals at lunch or for lunch. Um, and that would depend on, uh, because my mom's a teacher and when it would depend on when she could leave the school and how much time she had until she had to do this and that. So there was like like different meals and many of them would return and return because they they were were made easily or pretty quick. Yeah. Like once a week there would something like I don't know some sort of of rice and um chicken and some could be an an Asian style sauce could be something completely different like a a European sauce and maybe uh, some vegetables with it so um, many things that would ret return. That sounds really good. <laughs> many kinds of, 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 of pasta and stuff. And yeah, and then and back then in the evening, we would all, always have like, you got to know it, um, doing your family-in-law, um, like, like broadside. Yeah, okay. Like a cold dinner. Okay. We got to talk about broadside. <laughs> we got to talk about broadside. Um I mean, literally translated, this means bread time, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, it's like firearm beer, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's time But, yeah. for bread and the other stuff. <laughs> and uh, my after work beer. Um, but man, okay, broadside, bread time is seriously, it has become my all-time favorite German pastime. <laughs> like other other than than Käsespätzle and and of course the beer and Enzian and stuff I think getting accustomed to this this particular type of meal broadside um you know of course I've had it with my with my family in law and I've had it here in Munich uh, several times but there's something there's something about it that I find so addictive and so like it's so much food But I can just keep, I could eat it for like two or three hours. It's crazy. <laughs> so let me break it down. So basically, um, and, and, and chime in at any time if, if this uh, comes out wrong, but basically, you know, you go to the bakery and you come back to the house with uh, an assortment of, of local German breads. You know, you have your croissants, you have um, your like, um uh like your Vollkornbrot. what is this like your bread with the with the seeds in it yeah um like wheat breads and um you have like the dark handmade ones. yeah the dark yeah dark um dark wheat oh man i'm so bad right now but anyway an assortment you can imagine an assortment of delicious warm bread and then you come back home and you know, you usually eat this, this bread with, uh, uh, you have a butter knife and you have like butter and you, and you have, uh, like Lebewurst and salami and, and ham. And you have, uh, usually like a collection of cheeses as well, you know, like, uh, Bavarian blue cheese or, you know, hard German cheeses or French soft camembert cheeses. And, um, You could just you just go to town on this. You have like your own uh, buffet that you've set yeah. out for yourself with whoever you're eating with, and you can. I mean, honestly, I can eat this forever. It's so fatty and oily, 
And it's like, I mean, it's exactly up my alley because if someone were to say you can only have salty foods or only have sweet foods the rest of your life, I think I could easily just eat broadside continuously until I die of a heart disease. <laughs> um, you got it totally right, but um, we got to get in there deeper because um, please, that's one pretty perfect description of a of an option of a broadside. But Brotzeit is, is, is kind of a culture because there are many different ways and even way more or way, way healthier ways to celebrate, <laughs> to celebrate. A I love the emphasis on, uh, there's some healthier ways, Jordan. You can, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, you knew, you're right um, though. I mean, you're right. No, um, because I gotta say, Brotzeit is still something, whether, I'm in Munich in my flat or like last week's here with my parents. I eat on a regular basis every day. And obviously it's every not day? every day like the the, the the fatty version of it. But Brotzeit is just a sense of culture, which means you have you don't have to cook anything. You get your bread and different items around it. This could also be some kind of, I don't know, guacamole or cheese or maybe you could do a salad um for me it's mostly some it's like bread s some pieces of of a salami or something cheese and maybe tomatoes um and a, a few and a piece of a cucumber or whatever and that's actually really fair to say that that normally I, I did leave that out because it's not the first thing I grab for <laughs> but normally Normally, yes, there's like, you know, there's like peppers and cucumbers and uh, you can, obviously you can do much, much healthier versions. <laughs> But um, I think for me, like there's just, okay, there's this thing, at least this one bakery near my house calls it this, but I can, exp I can describe it differently, but they call it a stylische, but this, this, Uh, this white dough bread uh, mm -hmm. zemmel with pumpkin seeds. Man, I am telling you, if you give me like three or four of these warm, soft pumpkin seed zemmels with like soft butter and like, I don't know, truffle ham or camembert cheese or blue cheese. Uh, dude, honestly... I could sit here until I have gout and then some, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it's I totally so addictive. Feel you. But, it, but it's definitely like such a cultural thing. Like for me, I see it at, like, it's funny we see it so differently, but it's still such a, such a great thing to have because you see it as like, it's cultural. It's, it's a, it's a meal that you don't have to cook. You put your bread and you have some things around it. And then for me as an American, I see it as like an opportunity to like pig out on buttery meats and salt and uh, have like a boiled egg, you know? <laughs> boiled, boiled eggs are, are essential too. They're, right. they're, they even have a name. Obviously, like the whole, the, whole, um, the whole thing about the language and words that develop to describe a certain item for a certain um, occasion, yeah. those, those painted Easter eggs you could buy are mostly named in the supermarkets are named broadside eier, which means like broadside eggs. They even, it's, it's specifically called a broadside eier. 
I did. Oh man, I didn't yeah. even see that before. But that makes sense. And in Germany, they always, I mean, they always say like, what's the best way to combine, <laughs> you know, like seven words. <laughs> so it's an egg that you eat at both sides <laughs> in the supermarket and it's cage free. So it's a Freiland, uh, like a, what's it called? Like Freiland Hartung? So it's a Freiland Hartung Supermarkt Broadside Eye. <laughs> Dude, yeah. you gotta promise me one thing at any time. You can you can choose um, the moment for it, but I want to record one German Fuck episode. Fuck you, you, man. No way. Are you crazy? <laughs> You can choose whenever this will happen. May it be in a, next week or in two be, years. What should you say? You can choose the it moment, will be but we'll the do it once. Shortest episode of this podcast we have ever made. <laughs> uh, what's funny is actually um, I've been using this uh, Corona quarantine time to jump back into. Actually, this is probably <laughs> really relevant for some of our. <laughs> just thought about this. This is probably really relevant for some of our listeners who are actually interested in the immigration part of our <laughs> podcast, that we have not been able to explore since we've been in quarantine. Um, but since this has started, I've used this opportunity to jump back pretty heavily back into my into my German learning. Um, uh, Ify has also been very helpful with this and very motiv- motivational, motivating for this. Um, but I'm using, for those who are just curious, because you can do this with any language, I'm currently using two different apps on my phone for, um, a daily practice of about an hour. So maybe like 25 minutes or half an hour with one and then 25 minutes or half an hour with the other. And, um, one, everyone knows, everyone knows Duolingo. And Duolingo is free mm-hmm. and it's very user-friendly and I, I like it quite a lot, but it's not always perfect. And if you've used it before, then you know that, but it's great. And um, I do like kind of getting myself warmed up with this because it's very soft and very friendly and colorful and stuff. And then when I really want to go into a lesson to learn more about the uh, the grammar and the reasoning behind the, you know, the the setup and everything for the sentences, then there's a really great app called Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L. And you probably know about that one too if you're trying to learn a language. Um, I have to give credit to my friend Kati Kumile because she just recommended that to me not too long ago. Um, You do have to pay for this app. I think you get like bundle deals. There's like a three-month package, a six-month package, and a year-long package. But I would say if you're serious about it, it's worth it because it dives much deeper into the learning process than Duolingo and it's less about memorization and more about like educating yourself as to why the sentences work the way they do. And Duolingo is more like, hey, here's the sentence, memorize it. So it just depends what you'd rather prefer. If you're just visiting somewhere, obviously no one's visiting anywhere right now, but if you just want to visit somewhere for a few months, Duolingo is great and probably the best option. And if you're immersed somewhere, then probably Babbel is the best option. But I just wanted to give that as a little heads up for anybody Because I just thought about that. Yeah. Um, but are you still there? I thought we were still into commercial break. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> my screen went black on my phone and I thought, oh no, I just hung up on him. <laughs> um, <coughs> no, I thought you you were still uh, be advertising um, different apps. 
I don't know what kind of deals. Dude, you make. I honestly, I would, I would love to get <laughs> sponsored by a by a language learning app. I think that would be so appropriate for our immigration channel, don't you think? But then I'd force you to do German Dude, episodes. I, no, my honestly, friend. I would love that. Look, honestly, if if a if a language learning app, you know, fingers crossed, one day were to be a sponsor for this podcast, I would do anything man i think that's that would be so cool i would i would do a german episode you know one of my favorite uh favorite 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 comedians tom segura um it's a different situation for him because he his mother is is peruvian and he was raised in spanish but he does his own uh podcast in spanish now he's he's been doing them for i think maybe less than a year it's, it's pretty new but um He's been doing his podcast in Spanish every once in a while, and he does some stand-up shows in Spanish, which is pretty difficult to do when you're used to doing them in English. But um, maybe we could get to that point where I where I do some episodes with uh, with German. Um, but besides these apps that I mentioned, just with learning German, um, I'm also doing German lunch. So when uh, when my partner is available for lunch when she's not working, then um, yeah, the whole time from cooking until time to clean up. It's in German. To be fair, that's something that we probably nice. should have been doing for five years. But <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes. <laughs> and you said that like you were talking about some form of therapy or something. <laughs> we should have done that the Tricky whole time. Dicky. Um, but yeah, so I actually, I wanted to, what is your traditional German lunch? My traditional German lunch It's uh, honestly, it's normally, it's normally Italian food. Normally, uh, uh, my lunch here in Germany is normally pasta. Today we had, um, salmon cream pasta. Ooh, Laxnudeln. Yes. And... Amazing. The day before that, what what we did was we bought a lot of groceries around the time the quarantine started, and we made a very, very nice, very traditional bolognese. We made mm. a lot of it, and we froze it. So now, whenever we're kind of stressed for lunch, if if she's busy or I'm busy or whatever, what are we going to do? We have like a you know small window. One of us will take the bolognese that we made out of the freezer, crack off a chunk, throw it in the pan, throw some spaghetti in the pot, and boom, you've got like really delicious homemade bolognese, like spaghetti bolognese. Yeah, I had uh, some bolognese tonight as well. You had it, it tonight? Great. Shout out to my mom. <laughs> What's up, mama bacha da? Um... Yeah, it's usually pasta, but one thing I wanted to to uh, <laughs> one thing I kind of wanted to confess to the show was a very funny part of my life, which is uh, which is connected to food. It's a meal. It's a specific meal that my mom uh, continues to make on special occasions. Now it's normally when we visit. At least one of the days that we're visiting, she'll make this meal. But when I was a kid, it was always. Um, perhaps a birthday or it was on Christmas morning was also the big one. So everyone that I explained this to kind of has a freak out moment because it doesn't make any sense. And I realized pretty young 
that we were the only family that makes this. So by no means, <laughs> by no means is this a traditional American dish. It's not like burgers and fries and hot dogs. It's something pretty off the beaten path, <laughs> I have to say. Um, but I'm happy to share it here because the topic today is food and uh, it fits perfectly into that. So um, the dish that my mom would make is a breakfast. And it has a lot of the components that you would expect for a traditional American breakfast. It has scrambled eggs. It has fried bacon, like bacon from the pan, maybe some sausage links or some sausage patties. She was also, um, she is also very good at making like um, some homemade sausage uh, patties that were really delicious. Um, and then the, ah, the one more, one more ingredient is uh, like homemade, um, really fresh, warm, buttery biscuits. And I don't want uh, people listening who are familiar with British English to get confused. Uh, I don't mean biscuits like cookies, like the treats. In America, <laughs> biscuits are, a, it's, it's a fluffy, warm bread that you normally have with breakfast, like with sausage and eggs, or you have it like with lunch, you can have it with like gravy and potatoes and stuff. It's usually pretty heavy. No surprise. And so you'd have the biscuit open, buttery, steaming, the sausage, the eggs, bacon, whatever. And then the secret ingredient. <laughs> I'm almost nervous to say it. Um, the secret ingredient was that my mom would make this gravy to be poured on, on top of these items. But instead of being a salty gravy made from like a meat broth or something, it was chocolate. What? <laughs> whoa, whoa, you know whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not quite sure if I want to keep on, because I was thinking all of the time, okay, we're talking about German foods, we're talking about German foods. Let's talk about your experience and what you got to eat at home as a young boy. <laughs> But I'm not quite sure if I want to know more about your eating habits during your time in America, to be honest. <laughs> oh, my God. Chocolate man. sauce. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, man. Okay. so Over the bacon. Was... Okay, okay, okay. Let me, let me break it down like this. So, you, you, you know, you didn't have to put it over everything. <laughs> but of did. course, if you, if, you, if you grow up with it, if you grow up with it, it's normal. So you want to put it on everything. So like when I was a kid, you know, she made this. It was like a thick, uh, a thick but pourable chocolate gravy with like flour in it and, you know, a lot of sugar and whatever. But it was like this creamy, thick um, chocolate uh, for, in this big pot from the stove. And then, you know, what, what you could do is like pour it over the biscuit because like bread and chocolate, you know, a yeah, little salt, works. a little sweet, not so crazy. Um, but you know, when you grow up with it, it just gets smeared amongst the plate and eventually you just want to pour it over everything. So you'd pour it over the eggs and pour it over the bacon and pour it over everything and just have this crazy chocolate dish. And you think Kaiserspätzle is heavy. My God, my friend, when you eat this dish, you don't wake up. You sleep for days. 
Have you seen um, your doctor within the last 10 years checking your... <laughs> to be fair, man, <laughs> you don't get that dish here. I think I'm much healthier now <laughs> that I moved away. <laughs> That's why I said 10 years. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a funny story when uh, the first time that uh, Ify visited my my parents, of course, they were like, oh, it's a special occasion. We're going to make the chocolate and biscuits. So they made it for her. And you, I mean, dude, you should have seen her eyes. <laughs> because I didn't tell her. You know, I didn't tell her. I wanted to su- surprise her. <laughs> <laughs> you evil. <laughs> I knew that my mom was going to make it. Of course. She always makes it on on these special occasions. So I knew she was going to make it. And one morning... Which is super cute of your mom, by the way, but it's still a super weird dish. (laughs) It's a weird dish. I don't know where she came up with this. I I honestly don't know where it originated from. I think her mom made it or something, but... You know, when I was a kid, I I realized pretty quickly, like, none of my friends ate ate this. Like, the other kids didn't have this at home. And I realized that it was just our thing, which, I mean, when you're a kid, it's kind of cool. At the same time, it's kind of separation. It's kind of, you know, isolating (laughs) in a way. But, yeah. But, of course, it's cool as a kid. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, we, you know, we got our own thing. We got chocolate for breakfast, bitch, you know? (laughs) Um, But... When you yeah. told me, okay, it will be something you won't expect regarding American food, I was thinking, okay, it could either way be something super crazy, a super nice meal, which might be from a completely different cultural background, but your mom makes in a special way, or it could be something super fucked up, like eating chocolate sauce poured over eggs and bacon. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude, it's so good. It's so good. But there are I many miss people, it now, even, I just think about it. By the way, um, if you think you're weird in Europe, even Europeans eat a lot of weird shit. What's the weirdest thing that you have that you know about from Eastern, or not from, <laughs> I almost said Eastern European. <laughs> <laughs> What's the weirdest shit that Eastern Europeans do, man? Let's, let's, let's shit on them. <laughs> no, I mean like Europeans in general, like what, what are some of the weird dishes? Like, what do you mean? Um, I know that you guys eat horse. Yeah, but we yeah. we could get to that later if you want to. But um, <laughs> the weirdest thing I ever saw someone eat, and it's even weirder because I saw it several times because it it's a, a close friend of mine I grew up with in this neighborhood. And when his mom or his family would make bolognese, and it was this kind of connections, kids, okay, yes, it's sometimes you would eat at a friend's house, spontaneously at noon it would be no big deal and i came there i think i was in i don't know i was like 10 or 11 years old or maybe 12 i don't know and his family made a super nice bolognese all great and then my friend goes to the to the to some kind of cupboard and grabs a jar of do you call it applesauce apple puree i don't know yeah, yeah, you can call it applesauce. Something you would usually um, pour over, I don't know, maybe pancakes or stuff, sweet stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, And yeah, yeah. he would mm-hmm. get a big-ass spoon in this jar <laughs> and pouring applesauce over his pasta, where oh you already have tomatoes God. and meat and garlic and onions and stuff. I mean, I'm judging it, but I, I basically did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> You're just the weird motherfucker, Jordan. <laughs> well, I know. I, mean, I didn't do the applesauce over noodles, but like here I am judging that. But I'm like, but I just I did pour chocolate over eggs. So <laughs> who am I to judge? Yeah, but it's it, it's it's super weird. Yeah, and I don't know. Obviously, there are there are super weird dishes. Like, um, have you ever tasted uh, slacks or snails? Um, I don't think so. No, like it's a big thing in in in, in France. So there are there are weird dishes. Um, uh, that's like uh, yeah, escargot, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the weirdest thing I ever ate without knowing what it what it is. Um, it was a a Polish dish, and it was weird looking, but. In a way that you could guess, it could be some kind of seafood, like a a white uh, substance looking like some kind of I don't know fish or crab or something, and it tasted well at first hand, but I got told afterwards <laughs> it was the brain of a lamb. Oh man, what was that like? I don't know. I mean, did you did you enjoy it? Where you're like, this was delicious. What was the recipe? <laughs> I don't know. It was like the first the first bite of it was actually pretty pretty cool. Uh, well, cool. No, it was pretty tasty, but in a way because the first bite, like you're eating fried fried octopus or something. At first, then you're you're tasting. Okay, it's fried. It has this weird substance, but it's somehow it is nice. But then in afterwards, it tastes okay. It tastes like fish or something. So first bite, you just recognize, mmm, it's fried. <laughs> has a, has a nice substance. That's cool. And it tastes like fish in a way. That's no, no, it, it did not. But uh, just just to 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 like tell the you texture, what it, you mean? Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, and then after the first bite, someone told me, yeah, it's, it's like traditional uh, we're traditional lunch uh, we're having lamp brain here and i was like what oh man uh, i know i know a guy that uh went on a business trip to i think iraq or iran i'm not positive maybe it was iraq i don't want to speak uh too falsely but somewhere over there and the reason i think it's important that we find out later exactly where I can also ask, but, um, I think it was Iraq was because it was a business trip with some very wealthy, important businessmen. And he told me that for a meal that they were eating absolutely absurd things with the intention of, uh, that if you eat it, okay, I'll just use the example. It makes more sense to explain like they were eating eyeballs mm-hmm. for to for to see better and eating brain yeah, for yeah. to think clearer you know it's kind of a traditional thing yeah that's for me that's totally wild and i think he had, he said he had to like he felt so uh rude not to not to do it he said it really was like a shock to him and he really didn't want to 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 eat any of it but he he felt rude not to so there was like I forgot what it was, but there was like one, this drink, this like really, I think like a chalky animal liquid. I don't know. It wasn't like blood or or pee or something, but it was like some sort of like heavy milky drink 
from based from some something in the animal and he was like, like all right well it could be bone marrow something maybe something like that i can ask but he was like i don't want to be rude so i'm just going to drink it all really fast and get it over with and then i can try and focus on the food so he just chugged this this glass back and was like oh oh thank god that's over with and he said that the waitress came over and was like oh you liked it huh well here let me get you a refill <laughs> just <laughs> poured it back <laughs> Yeah, it's but like, fuck. It, it is a thing to 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 give the the parts of an animal you eat a story, like you said. They're eating eyeballs yeah. to as with the intention to see better. Um, yeah, I, I act, um, at the moment I I listen to a podcast a lot, which is made by two German rappers, um, who both have a, a family background in like like the region like um from like an arabian or persian background um yeah. and <laughs> at one point they also talk about food and what it's like having this cultural background there and um growing up in germany and the one guy is like once in a lifetime if you grow up in germany with two parents from a persian or arabian country you get to a point where you think your parents are fucking murderers <laughs> Because you're like six years old, get to the kitchen, and in the sink, there are laying sheep heads. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, imagine being like the friend of the kid coming over like, oh, hey, Billy, I'm just going to get a glass of water before we go back and play. The oh, my God, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. Did you have anyone in your family who was a hunter? Um, not in my closer family. No, my dad, my dad, like, um, my dad and my 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 grandpa, um, both are slash were um huge fishers, so they go for fishing a lot, but no hunters. Did you have any hunters that were like? Do you have any friends who be who became hunters or their dads were hunters? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, did you ever have like the fresh uh, deer caught from their? from their dad's hunt dude th that's something um because my my dad um always i don't know works for or with a lot of people that are hunters and stuff and from time to time it happens that he gets um like a deer as a present and then he hangs it up in our in our cellar from the from the ceiling to to let the the, the blood drain out and then Cut the skin off, etc., etc. <laughs> so they used to, I, I used to see those things within our house growing up. Yeah, Boy. I think I was always happy not to see the um, like not to see the body, like not to see the the corpse. But I was always totally game to to eat the the cooked meat. It's kind of a funny compromise for myself. But like my uncle one of my uncles, but this particular uncle, uh, Kenny, which is funny because he's from Kentucky. So Kentucky Kenny. Uh, um, could be a short, Tiger short King for, character. Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Short no disrespect for, uh, to your uncle, for, for by Kenneth. the way. <laughs> no, 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 no. No worries. Um, but yeah, short for, for, for Kenneth. But yeah, Uncle Kenny, he, he was a hunter and he was always uh, shooting deer and fishing. He was a real woodsman and uh, 
I always really like admired him. He was always very quiet and very like reserved and kind of a man's man, <laughs> but he was also very humble and like soft spoken. And I, I really like him a lot. And um, my cousin Tyler, which is his son, is my age. And uh, he told you, me the haven't story. Haven't you talked about him the last episode? Tyler, you 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 played with at the at the lake where your family used to go on holidays, or was it another? Cousin? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That's him. That's him. Okay, it's the same house, same house. And the uncle's the same guy that was like, "What the fuck are you doing with my golf cart?" <laughs> um. So he was a he was a real badass man. Like he he was like he's the kind of guy who was always decked out in camouflage, but he wasn't someone that you found annoying because he did it. You're just like, oh, he's going into the woods now, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And there's a story from Tyler that I really like. And I don't know how true it is because, you know, every boy at a certain age really admires their dad. So it could be a bit fabricated, but this guy's a real, he's the real deal. So it could be true. Basically the story is, you know, they had chickens around the house and there were, uh, I think, in this region of Kentucky, there were some coyotes. And the story is that um, Tyler was outside one day and watching over the chickens and a coyote came out of a part of the woods and grabbed a chicken mm -hmm. uh, and with, with his teeth and was taking it back in the woods. So he freaked out and he called for his dad and said, hey, the, the coyote is in the woods and he took the chicken. And uh, he, he said that his dad grabbed a gun and ran into the woods after the coyote. And he said that he heard a shot. And then the uncle Kenny came back out of the woods holding the chicken and it was still alive. What? That the chicken, like he killed the coyote before he killed the chicken, which is crazy. <laughs> But I love that story, and I hope it's true. <laughs> yeah, crazy shit. But um, yeah, so like I, I remember, like um, you know, we we would eat his we would eat his deer sausage. He made really really good deer sausage. And um, when I think about the meals my mom used to make, like when I said earlier that she had certain things every week that she would repeat, I did, I don't mean it that she would say, okay, every Monday is taco night. Yeah. It wasn't like that. It wasn't so strict. And that couldn't would... even be possible because it's Taco Tuesday. That's right. Oh, man. That's like blasphemy <laughs> of me <laughs> to say that. Um, but she would... It wasn't as if she would schedule the same meal every week, but she would... You know, there was like two or three meals that she would repeat. So maybe on Tuesday, one week, we'd have tacos. And the next week, we might have tacos again on like a Thursday or Friday or mm -hmm. something, you know, or a Saturday. Um, so I often had like the same two or three meals repeated. And then the other days were something different. She was trying out different recipes or whatever. But I think the most common food my mom made was, yes, we often had tacos. She made very good tacos. <laughs> um, but probably... The thing when I think about my mom and I think about like a meal from the heart that she would make every week was uh, her lasagna. Mm. She made really, really good like flat layer lasagna. And uh, I remember when I was really, really young that I fought against it. And then not too long after that, I fell in love with it. And then whenever I go home, I always ask for it now. So that's really my 
my my my dish you know that I connect with my with my mom and for my dad I always connect breakfast he didn't make the chocolate gravy that's her deal but when my when me and my dad had the house to ourselves you know every every now and then for some reason she's visiting her sister or something he would make breakfast and he would you know make some toast throw some jam on it scramble some eggs cook some bacon and I always associate them do, do you have like a meal that you associate with your mom or a meal that you associate with your dad Mm. With my mom, yeah, one I always um, loved as a child and still love to the to the to the day. It is um, a pretty basic pasta dish, but I always loved it. Mm -hmm. um, it's basically spaghetti, and then um, you take um, raw tomatoes and mozzarella. And you just throw it together, add some olive oil, some some basil, and that's it. Oh, that sounds so pure! And, I love it. And then you put the, the the spaghetti with the mozzarella and stuff, um, in a in a in a bowl, and then you mix it up, and so the cheese starts to melt a little bit by the heat of the spaghetti. Oh, I love that! I love that. Um, and with my dad. Um, I don't know, not really, because my dad never, I don't see my dad cooking that often. And, but there's one dish I remember, <laughs> we used to spend a summer holiday, just my dad and me and my uncle, um, because my family owns this little house or you better call it hut in, in Norway. Yeah. It's, um way north it's like 3000 kilometers away from here it's over the the polar circle so the kind of place you imagine when you when you see pictures of people watching those polar lights and stuff mm -hmm. so out in the wilderness nothing around you and we've been there and um <laughs> my dad tried to make some form of um su soup or or stew Yeah, and it actually it, it turned out to taste pretty awesome, but <laughs> it just was there was no 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 moisture left to the dish. <laughs> really, so it we're just <laughs> like chunks of of vegetables and and chunks of meat and and I don't know chickpeas and stuff, <laughs> but but no 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 moisture left in it. But it tastes great. That's the one thing I I remember. Uh, or I connect with my dad. Otherwise than that, more like, I don't know, both sides. But there's one thing, one yeah. dish I really um, connect with my grandpa, so my dad's father who doesn't live anymore. Because from time to time when I was at my grandparents' house um, as a little boy and my grandpa wasn't there for any reason, like you just told the story about you and your dad, Yeah. My grandpa would try to make um pancakes but the the European ones like the the more like crepe ones, you know? Yeah, yeah. Non-American pancakes. Um, right, right. <laughs> and every freaking time he would mess it up. He would always forget <laughs> or being just too late or having too much heat or whatever to to turn it around at a proper time. 
<laughs> so that's it's kind of sweet though. So it, all, so it you, will you always be one really burnt black side and one not really baked white side. <laughs> and then he always used to tell me that the the, the the one joke, yeah, Moritz, you see here, I'm a different generation. My pancakes are still in black and white. That was his joke. Yeah. Oh, he's a good guy. I like this joke. Yeah, um, I like that. those are That's those are nice. meals I. I connect um, to to different family members, um, but one thing I wanted to get back on for a, for a little second because um, we've talked about uh, about eating meat and deer that used to hang around in in our cellar. Um, yeah, at first it was disgusting as a child, but somehow my my parents were pretty cool about the whole situation because, and we didn't talk that much about it, but um, they wanted me to learn it like. Okay, you have to think about eating meat and how much meat you eat, and um, there are many aspects to it. Like, I don't know, animals being kept under horrible um, circumstances and whatever, and uh, environmental environmental um, reasons at all. Um, and so, but you still can eat meat, but. It might be good if you see where it comes from and how it's how it's proceed until you get it on your um, until you get it on the table. And right, right. I don't know. This created some kind of of, of conscience, so I I got for it. So I am Absolutely. eating meat and I yeah. I love it, but it's basically also a different thing. Um, depending on whether I'm here in Oberstdorf or in Munich, because here the meat we have here, my mom's buy buys at the local shop or whatever, is normally great stuff from um, from farmers and farms around town, um, like animals that had a super happy life within a great scenery in the mountains, only eating the best grass and whatever. Um, yeah. And on the other hand, when I'm in Munich, I'm I'm eating more veggie stuff or leaving meat out because I'm, I don't know, I'm at the supermarket and I see different types of meat or sausages packed up and they even lo don't look that nice and you see, okay, it's like half a, a kilo of of meat for a euro. This cannot be a good product. So that's this kind of conscience I I, I developed during those experiences or through yeah, those experiences. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's always important when you when you're like a meat eater. I think it always it feels better going down when you know that it's locally sourced and you know that the you know you know the story of the animal. And I think you know I've spent a lot of time in your hometown as well, and you know I completely agree. When you know the the meat, it's it tastes better. You feel better eating it. And sometimes in a big city, you know, if you really want something, and you don't know. Where it comes from, either you're taking more of a risk or you're, you know, paying into an industry that you don't support. So it's always good to know where you get that stuff from. Um, but coming back I to Munich, to... one thing I wanted to know. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Um, first. We have talked a lot about cooking at home and stuff. But when you go out for lunch or for dinner, go to a restaurant, what's your first, your go-to kitchen like is it italian i don't know asian food whatever burgers i don't know and second which restaurant 
Okay. Great question. I would say, um, because of my neighborhood, um, there's, there's two places that were, since we moved here, always our go-to lunch spots. Um, the only sad thing is that one of them has unfortunately closed down as of last year. They, the owner decided, or maybe it was January this year or something, but the owner decided it was time to, to close it down for, for their own, uh, their own reasons. Um, but basically these two places were one Italian mm-hmm. and two Turkey, uh, Turkish, Tur- 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 yeah, Turkish, Turkish, the place is called Turkish. Yeah. The, the restaurant is called Turkish, but the food is Turkish, right? <laughs> so, um, it's just down the street from my place and, um, you know, it's got all these great awards and reviews and stuff and there's always a line to get in, but, um, the service is quick. The, the guys are funny. It's, it's not, um, it's not expensive and, uh, you great, you ha- it's like, you know, some of the best kebab in, in town and, um, something for everybody. You get kufta, halloumi cheese, you know, suchuk, everything you want. It's really, really, really well made. And, uh, I love that place. And the other place for me is the one that shut down, unfortunately, and it was Italian food and it was just around the corner on the other side of the street and it was called Il Falco. Okay. And it was um, really great pizza, great pasta, really interesting and, and fun daily specials, really cheap, amazing service. And we would go there really often for lunch or for, for a quick dinner with a friend or order the pizzas and pick them up. It was um, really one of our favorite places in Munich, but unfortunately it's, it's, uh, it's gone now. What about you? Um... There's one place that has a funny story, and it's a it's an an Asian a Chinese specific Chinese restaurant, um, a pretty traditional Chinese kitchen, um, right around the corner at my place, um, and it has a a story because um, next to it there's the supermarket where I usually go to to get groceries and stuff, um, so I walk by this restaurant many times. Um, and then I saw at some point that they have uh, um, on on workdays, Monday till Friday, from 11 a.m. till 2.30, they um, have a, an all-you-can-eat buffet for like eight or nine heroes. Oh, and then nice. I was like, okay, let's try it. And <laughs> the occasion was perfect because... Um, I was studying at the time, so it happened that there were work days where I had nothing to do, and we were partying the night before, and the next day we went there at, I don't know, 12, and it was amazing. Really? Yeah, and it's also a great place where you get those those Chinese um, hot pots. You know the stuff, the fondue-like stuff where you... Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you put like meat and stuff yeah. into this like boiling pot and of oil, right? Yeah. And then you cook it. Which, that's, that's a, I love those places. Which is also great. And um, I obviously love beer gardens, <laughs> but that's another story. But Yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's a whole different... You can even have a whole podcast. Yeah, we could have a, a beer garden special at some point. Um, no, yeah, because we're, we're, we're bound to have hundreds of stories about being at one. <laughs> No, but another place um, I used to go on a regular base, basically for two years from, I don't know, July 2000 and 
18 till December 2019. I used to go there basically every Monday night because um, it's an Italian place. And it's... Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. I miss your, your little icon somehow. Okay, but it's an Italian place um, and it's right around the corner, um, right around Ostbahnhof, so very close to, to the station. Yeah. And it's an amazing place. They won several awards for, I don't know, best Italian kitchen in southern Germany, whatever. Um, and every Monday they have pizza night. So every pizza, oh, you get every yes. pizza for, I don't know, seven bucks or something. And we also you, um, used to have our so I was kind of the head of the sports department and we used to have our weekly meeting where we planned the next um, broadcasting sessions and whatever interviews I don't know um, and afterwards we would all, always go there every week <laughs> every Monday oh man sounds like a dream um, and it's it's amazing food we could go there um, after a, a recording at some point if you want to you mean like after Rona after Roner and after we we record uh, an episode in the studio again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So might be exactly. might be twenty twenty one, but we will go if they still have pizza. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, and actually, just because you brought up pizza, um, I just wanted to ask one more question. Then I think I might have to go. Um, but the last question. Um, because I have I have one short funny story and then it leads to my final question to you. So basically, when when I was um, in college, I think I was maybe twenty two or so. Um, me and some friends drove from New Orleans all the way up to New York, so it was like a really long, like three day drive switching out with some friends and sleeping in the back seat. And it was a really, really fun adventure. Three days. Yeah. We stopped at places. We stopped in Philadelphia and we, we stayed with a friend there and we, we drove like overnight and stuff. I mean, it was a long, long, long Yeah, drive. I gotta admit it's uh, sometimes I, I still, I still lose the, <laughs> the point of view where I see how big America actually is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, annoyingly enormous. <laughs> it's, 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 it's insane. Um, but so we, we finally got there and then we were staying with, uh, with our friend Chelsea and her family lived in Long Island and we were taking trains back and forth from her parents' place to, to the big city and looking around. And then she said, well, you know, in here in Long Island, I forgot the name of like her, her town or, or her city. Well, I guess Long Island is like the, I don't know. I'm dumb. So, somewhere around the place where she lived in Long Island. Um, she told us about this place that has a dish called cold cheese pizza. And she said, you have to try it. It's my favorite pizza and uh, you're going to love it. So we, we gathered up together. We were all like, you know, getting pretty drunk and we, we went to this shop and you could order from the window and the guy said, the guy's there and, you know, they're, they're big, like New York Italian guys. And you know that you're going to get good pizza when you see this kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And so he said, what do you want? And I said, let me just get a, you know, a slice of uh, salami, pepperoni pizza. And um, he said, you got it. And he took a big New York slice, threw it in the oven, got it nice and melted and crispy and good. And then the twist was he took that slice out 
And then in front of him, like in the refrigerated bins in front of him, he grabbed a handful of, you know, not cold, but like, you know, room temperature mozzarella shredded cheese and just threw it on top (laughs) and then, and then handed it out to you. And so you have like this, you know, you have this, uh, melted cheese and salami on the bottom. And then you have this room temperature cheese that's just slowly melting into it on top. It's just this mountain of cheese. Yeah. And then you take a bite and it all starts like meshing and melting together in your mouth. And dude, honestly, it was a game changer. Yeah. It was amazing. Totally believe that. <laughs> and it's basically the same the same procedure like with the with the pasta I told you about with tomatoes and yeah. mozzarella. That's it. Yeah, it's just simple amazing. ingredients put together at the right temperature and it's just unbelievable. And um I wanted to ask you as the last question like what was a dish that either someone in your family or someone in your friend group recommended to you to try that you had never heard of that you maybe were hesitant to try? That once you did, you thought, man, I, I'm going to remember this forever. Well, once again, so I remember... What was, what was a dish that someone introduced to you that maybe you were you know, nervous to try it first or you thought it sounded weird, but then when you tried it, you loved it? Mm, let me think. <clears throat> There's one, one specific... Um, vegetable <laughs> i have those i have this kind of relationship to um it's uh, what is in english savoy could it be s-a-v-o-y what's it called again i don't know how to pronounce it properly savoy s-a-v-o-y savoy i would say savoy yeah it's like something in between spinach and salad and you you cook it and it's it's great but it's only only a vegetable but a whole dish mm, i probably say poo that's tough because i'm <laughs> i'm a person who as far as i remember never had real big issues trying new stuff but the biggest game changer definitely was seafood so the moment as a child where you where you see those weird looking pieces on your um on your spoon or on your uh, you, you cut in half or whatever and you're like is this meat is this what is it you're like the kid and then you taste it and most of the kids don't like it until a certain age my girlfriend 22 years of age still has her issues with um with some forms of fish and seafood but when I was, I don't know, eight or nine years old and I tried different types of seafood for the first time, um, it was definitely a game changer. And I guess if seafood w- wouldn't be a dish, you simply don't eat that often when you not live um, at the seaside and it wouldn't be that expensive and it and you wouldn't think about it twice because of... I don't know, you don't know where the fish comes from, etc., etc. I would eat seafood on a regular base. <laughs> any any type of seafood, anything. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I can totally see what you mean. Like, when you first get this stuff, it's like this comedian, Jim Gaffigan, that I love has a great bit about seafood. And he's like, you know, if you moved into a, to a new house 
and there was like a scorpion in the house, you'd be like, we got to get an exterminator. But if you moved into a house and there was a lobster, this gigantic underwater bug, (laughs) he's like, you would have to move, (laughs) you know, you just get a new house. (laughs) He doesn't understand why people eat lobster or like anything from underwater because he's like fish stink they taste like fish and all these lobsters and stuff. They're just these big giant insects. And he's, he's right. They're just these big creepy insects and we eat their guts and it's weird, but they're delicious. That's true. But many types of, of crabs and lobsters and stuff can be pretty, um, I don't know, pretty disturbing. No, that's not the right t- term. Um, Pretty disapp- I think that's a good word. Maybe they're disturbing, disturbing. to see that yeah. when, when they're also, when they're alive. But also in the but, in the, in the aquariums, <laughs> like oof. no. But also uh, disappointing because you you cook or you see how it's done or whatever. You get this big ass chunk of fish, <laughs> and then you have to get away all of the of, of its um oh the shell of the shell and stuff. Yeah, and what's left is maybe. Like if you if you see his body weight, it's maybe a tenth of it is actually what you can eat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's way too much work. It's way too much work. Yeah. So things we've learned today were that uh, if you eat Kesespätzle, you should follow it with an NCN, and um, if you eat broadside, you should have the appropriate eggs to go with it, <laughs> and. Uh, You know, if you're going to have scrambled eggs, make sure you pour some chocolate gravy over it. (laughs) Try some cold cheese pizza and don't be afraid of the uh, underwater bugs, even though they're, they take a little extra work to enjoy. Woo. Um, but, um, I want to say thank you, Mo, for your time and your effort. I know you had a long work day today, so it means a lot. And, uh, and to everyone listening, um, thank you so much for enjoying this with us. And if you enjoyed the show, Uh, please go on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and please give us um, a good review or a good rating. It helps uh, new listeners find us uh, or even just spreading spreading the word by telling a friend. It really helps us, uh, helps these small shows out more than you think. So thanks for listening and uh, we hope you guys have another amazing week in quarantine. It's been an absolute pleasure, buddy. Bye-bye. The pleasure's all mine. Ciao, ciao. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Badscheider, produziert für M94.5.